and welcome to Grief Unfiltered, a podcast about grief and how the fuck to handle it. I'm your host, Jamie Ailes. Thank you so much for being here. We have a great episode for y'all today. Before we jump into that, I just want to say happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Thanksgiving is tomorrow. It is my favorite holiday of the year. I love football. I love food. I love wearing stretchy pants and being lazy. So it's perfect for me. Um, I just want to start this episode out by thanking y'all, thanking the Grief Unfiltered community. I really don't know where I would be in my grief journey without y'all. I get so many DMs on Instagram is mainly where people reach out. And I encourage people to reach out on Instagram because that's what I'm checking the most and I'm most active on. But I get so many messages from y'all saying the podcast help you. I love when y'all are like this one episode I connected with so-and-so because then I send that to the person that I interviewed and they, I mean, it makes their day. I love when y'all share your stories with me, your grief journey, where you're at in your grief journey, what happened with your loved one, how you're doing every day. I really appreciate and I'm so honored that people feel, you know, that people take their time to, like I said, send me a message and then that they'll trust me with their story and And it's really cool to sit here and reflect on what I'm thankful for and having this podcast for almost two years, a year, about a year and a half and seeing how far we've come, not only download wise, but just how I've improved as an interviewer, how the audience has grown, how um, we've had so many different episodes, whether it be something from miscarriage and stillbirth to parents dying, siblings dying, freak accidents uh, sickness. And then my guest today is like a psychologist and we talk about dreams and I'm just really proud of the podcast, but I am so, so, so grateful for y'all for again, trusting me with your grief and just sending those nice messages, but then also taking time to listen to the podcast, connecting with me. And I, like I said, I don't know where I would be without y'all. Y'all are like my therapy. (laughs) I always talk about in episodes, I don't go to therapy for grief, but I guess this is my therapy now that I think about it. And I just want to make sure I pause and say how much I appreciate y'all as listeners. Dr. Josh Black is my guest today. He is from Canada and he has a master's in psychology. Dr. Black and I have a very interesting conversation about grief dreams. That's something that consistently comes up in my interviews. It's something that I experienced early on in my grief, but I didn't know that it was such a thing that everyone experiences once they lose someone. And I didn't know that other people could relate to how realistic these dreams were. So Dr. Black is the same way. And when his father passed away, he goes into all this. He had a dream that pretty much changed his life, changed his career path, changed his world, changed his passion. And really woke him up one day. I always describe grief to people as, um, the world is black and white, no matter how beautiful it is. I still have that dull view on life because my mom is not here. And Dr. Black took those words out of my mouth. That's how he explains grief. So I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Like connect right away. And again, we go into his grief, but mainly focus on his career, specializing in grief dreams, how he kind of made his own path. It's a really interesting story of how brave he was to say, you know what, what I'm doing and what I plan to do and what I'd work to do my whole life is not what I'm super passionate about right now. And I'm just going to do a sharp turn the other way and go with a new profession. And I tell him in the interview how brave that is and just how courageous it is to take such a leap of faith like that. Great interview with Dr. Black. He has a podcast and he goes into all this, but his podcast is called Grief Dreams, where they interview people on their grief dreams. We also discuss, you know, some of the cooler episodes that they've had. So I encourage you all to check that out. Again, his pictures and description are on my Instagram at Grief Unfiltered right now. I tagged him in the post. So if you want to learn more about him, his podcast, his websites, all the programs that he has and the virtual classes that you can take with him, it's all on Instagram and his website. All right. Without further ado, thank you, Dr. Black for being here. Well, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm excited for you to just introduce yourself to the audience and And I know people kind of already know what this episode is going to be about. It's going to be about dreams and grief and something consistently through my interviews people talk about. So I'm excited to have a specialist on and and dive into what your dreams mean after loss, pretty much. 
Yeah, it's one of those things that a lot of people have interest in, but yet no one really knows the academic research on the topic. And there wasn't really much before I, I came into the picture and started researching it myself. So I'll give you a little backstory of how I even got to this point to even, I guess, talk about the subject. Uh, so, you know, I came from, you know, I guess a very religious family. And um, my dad was always one to, I don't know, I wouldn't say he was the greatest father. <laughs> um, but he, you know, like he did the best he could. And so he, but he used alcohol to cope. Uh, he tended to be, you know, very argumentative uh, in nature. And so it was hard to really develop a bond with him growing up. And then when looking at the dreams, because this is a big topic of this podcast, I had a lot of nightmares as a child. And with that, what my parents told me at that time was the nightmares were from the devil. And so that was my understanding of dreams moving forward that, you know, when you're sleeping, that's when the devil attacks you kind of thing. I've learned a lot more now, <laughs> you know, being in research and understanding actually dreams represent our waking life. And so a lot of the nightmares I was having, I was being chased and I was trying to find a way out. And and when you look at my current situation at home, it was very unsafe. And so it was just my mind was trying to like deal with that, those emotions of feeling unsafe. And how do you almost prepare to run away if something happens? And like, where do you go? Because a lot of this stuff was being chased in my own home. And so like, where can you go to find safety? It's basically the dream. And so it's just reflecting in waking life. And so, you know, for me at that time, I didn't know. So I didn't really care about dreams. I tried to suppress them if I even did have them. So I, there was no, there's nothing there for me. And then as I sort of moved forward, it wasn't until I had this breakup uh, right after high school and an individual cheated on me that I had my first response to grief, I guess is a good way to put it. And it completely devastated me. And it was in those three days where I couldn't eat or sleep, it was just something was going on in me that I couldn't understand. I had this dream and it was the first time a dream meant anything to me. And uh, just to go back, what I, what I said, I was in the state of desperation at that time. And I said, you know, I don't know who's out there because uh, I grew up in a Christian home. So I figured that maybe this was something out there. I said, whoever's out there, I don't really know. Um, please tell, please give me understanding on why I feel the, the way I feel because I couldn't control it. And then I had this dream and the dream was just basically the short version is, you know, I was this reporter, I was running by the water and it, for, it felt like for an eternity. And I went up into this big uh, ocean and there was a guy standing at the, at the pier. And so I ran over the pier and I asked him, where is it? Where is it? And he said, it could be over there, point to the left, could be over there, point to the right. But he said, you know where it truly is? And then he pointed to his mind and I woke up like a shot of lightning. And in that moment, I first I knew dreams now have meaning, which I didn't have before. But the other thing was I knew what the dream meant. And you know, looking at that dream, people may not understand, but I woke up with the understanding of what the dream meant. I didn't have to interpret it, which is really strange in itself. That is too. strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I still understand it to this day. But what it was basically woke up with was that those feelings that I was having was based in part with the way I viewed myself. So I was blaming her, I was blaming him, so like I could blame the outside world. But rather than looking inside and understanding what's actually being provoked here. And so what was being provoked was a sense of that I wasn't lovable. I didn't, and at that time, of course, I didn't love myself. And so I really needed her to almost give me that, to feel that I deserved, that I could, I could have love, that I was worthy of love. And so, you know, looking at that, I said the next step was, okay, wow. Um, I never would have, if someone would have asked me, do you love yourself? I would have said yes. But at that moment on, I always say no. <laughs> like, I'm working on it, like, just, just working on it. And so I really sort of looked at, you know, from that point on, well, how can I learn to love myself? And, you know, like really like sit, sitting with that truth of the reality of that. And so fast forward, so that gives you an idea of sort of how these dreams came about. And then fast forward, my dad died about three years after that. And that was a different type of grief. It was, he was the first person that, how can I put it, that was significant to me that had died. And we, we didn't have a really good relationship, as I sort of mentioned, because of his drinking and uh, lack of emotion regulation. But as we, uh, yeah, the mean, last- you're describing my father, so I totally understand. <laughs> okay. But hey, there's hope. So the last two years- Amen. Uh, before he died, we became really, I guess, good friends. And he 
stop trying to portray a dad role like he was trying to protect me from the world and like teach me to just like allowing me to live and just trying to understand who I am which was a big shift but it all happened when my dad and my mom actually separated and so I think something changed in him through that time and with that I developed a strong bond and a love for my father that I didn't really have prior and so when he died it was actually not only a loss of him but what what was being built at that time and so it really hit me hard and he died very suddenly. I remember when, when, I, when I got the call, I just had all these tears and I didn't, like at that time, like I didn't cry often. And I still had those roles that was put into me by him in many ways and, and the yeah. culture that, you know, guys don't cry. So, you know, this was very scary because with the, with the stuff with the breakup, I wasn't crying. I was more or less very angry, I guess mm-hmm. that's where to put it. But this, I was just drenched with sadness. And so for, for me, I didn't know how to turn it off and it was kind of scary. And then I remember you, know, you go to the funeral, you do all that. And then after I went back to school, I was an undergrad at that time, okay. I went back to school and the tears stopped and I was so excited because that's what I wanted. But what was interesting was when the tears stopped, so did the joy and happiness. So mm. the best way I can put it is that the color came out of my life. And so that'd be kind of like depression, right? Like so it was just... Yeah, we talked about this on the intro call and I was like, that is verbatim how I describe grief to people like the color. The world might be amazing. It might be rainbows and butterflies. But to me, it's still a little dim. It's still like black and white. And so I remember on our intro call connecting on that a lot. Okay, sorry. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) And so I just thought that was, you know, where my life was. I didn't try to change it. Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't I wasn't really. You know, I had a partner at that time, which it was great to get some support um, yeah. as a as a kid. And but at the end of the day, I, I wasn't I wasn't feeling the way I needed to feel or what I could feel. So three months later, still the, the same thing. Like nothing's changed. And then I had this dream, and this is what changed everything for me. And this is why I think value the topic so much because I kind of feel it saved my life in many ways. Yeah. The first dream I had with, you know, after the breakup help me understand more about I don't know myself and I should learn more about myself <laughs> and this this was about you know helping me work through the grief that seems to be blocked in many ways or something has shifted in me that I can't actually feel the, the things I need to feel mm-hmm. so anyway so the dream I had of my father was I was in my room in the dream and I saw him at the other end and he looked really healthy and happy and it's a state I've never seen him in tell you the truth because he had a lot of like in in life he had a lot of heaviness on him just because past trauma stuff like that and drinking Literally and all that stuff right like he's just... my father okay yeah so, I didn't... <laughs> so that's how I always saw him but in the dream he was light I could feel it he had this like I don't know pulsating energy that was just of love and he just looked healthy and so I walked up to him and I said, you know, I'm going to miss you, like acknowledging the loss. I was acknowledging that he died. And I said, I loved him. And then we hugged. And then I woke up. And the craziest thing, again, I woke up and everything changed. I didn't interpret the dream to make anything happen. I just woke up and it was changed. And I sat at the end of my bed thinking, what was that? And more importantly, how do I feel the color again? Like the color was back. I could feel joy. I could feel sadness. I could feel it all again. And I'm like, how did that even happen? And at that time, I had no idea. I was just amazed that it did because I could go back to uh, a new way of living or the living that I wanted to live. So, you know, that that was it. And like, I never really told the dream to anyone. No one's really asked about my grief anyways. So it's just like, it's just, yeah. you know, I don't know if they even saw the difference because I was still getting good grades either way. There wasn't those like, yeah. um, right, other things. Externally, it looks good. Externally. Yeah. But Externally, looked good. I was still going yeah. to work. Like, I, didn't, I didn't have any of those. And, but inside, I was completely different. And so I just, you know, Wait, went. how, sorry, interrupting it. How long yeah. after your father passed away was this dream? It was th- three months. Three months. Okay. okay. Yes. Wow. So I didn't even know people could, even, I, at that time, I would have said, I didn't know people could have these dreams because I didn't ask for one. It just like happened. And that's the surprising thing about this. Once again, it's just like, you know, something shifted. And so I went and finished school like I was going to do. And then I was going to be an elementary school teacher. That's really how my dad saw my life and how I kind of lived my life in many ways. I wanted to be the, the teacher. 
But then once I got the interview, something didn't feel right in me. And it was the weirdest thing because I spent my whole life since I was, when people were asking me as a child, I wanted to be an NBA, NBA player or a, a teacher. So and the NBA player didn't work out. So the, uh, the teacher was the way I was going. And I spent my whole career like going towards that. But then right at the moment, do you sign the dotted line to get in teacher's college? I said, no, I turned it down. And just like wow. something didn't feel right. And that was its own big thing for me. I don't know why, but I, I, I didn't have a plan B. So um, I feel like that, it's a big thing too, because society you're like, okay, well I did this and my next step is this. And look, I have yeah. all my life planned out and it's in a pretty bow. And so just from someone, you know, just seeing from an outsider's point of view, like that's a big step to be like my whole life I've been on this path. And now I'm just kind of like steering a different way, which is what people should be brave enough to do that. And it's your life, take control. But like, I feel like it's easier for people to just be like, sign the dotted line, keep the path going. I'll be, you know, it'll yeah. be fine. So well, you need, to you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. It does take a lot of courage. <laughs> it's, it's a risk, but like at the same time I'm looking at it, I'm like, my dad wanted that for me. So like, why didn't I? Cause I was also in the state of trying to like continue his memory and, and work through and like remember him in many ways. So a lot of people would have continued just for the fact that it was, you know, the deceased like um, will for you or, or desire for you to go that way. And so it's not only that, I think I had to go against sort of like even internal stuff about my grief and where it wanted to go too. So um, then I sort of, so I went out to the world to see what I could do with a psych degree and it wasn't what I thought I could do. So, and so you're in this weird kind of, field where you're just trying to find meaning and so I, I had these jobs but i'm like i need more meaning in my life and so i volunteered i volunteered a lot of my life it was the first time i volunteered with the bereaved at a local hospice and people started asking these questions about dreams and at that point it's not like a trend it's the only yeah it's the only time i've ever heard people question these dreams and so i only had the positive dreams at that point and so for them, they're asking about why I'm having negative dreams or why am I not having dreams? What does that mean? Does that mean that they don't love me anymore? Or does that mean that um, they didn't cross over if they're spiritual or that they're, they're mad at me because I had to like sell the house? I'm like, I have no idea. But I know you're all those things are complicating your grief. It'd be nice if there was if I could go to the research and sort of see like how I can help you with that. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to the research, there wasn't anything there to help them. And that's when I had this moment where it's like could i be a researcher could i actually research this topic and after some more courage because i wasn't planning to be a researcher <laughs> i didn't care about stats yeah. as much as i did them i forgot about them soon after i, I took the course and you didn't have like a like i feel like so many people that go into stuff like that like you have a mentor you have someone that's you're kind of looking up to and with mm -hmm. this you kind of made your own path yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so it's totally scary and I want to drop out many times along the way but I think what's even more uh, special is that there were supervisors out there willing to take me on to look at this topic that they weren't studying at the time and it's people need to understand that when you go do a master's or a PhD you're usually doing something that the supervisor is researching and so for both my topics, it was a new kind of field. And so they really you know, didn't have much advice um, other than their own curiosity on the topic. And, and I, so I did a master's at Trent University in psychology and then a PhD at Brock University in psychology. What was interesting is both my supervisors had their own dreams. And so I think it really helped for them to say, yes, let's actually look at this in some more detail. And I was able to, and I was able to finish, which was even more <laughs> special for me. And then now I'm raising awareness on the topic and uh, just doing like uh, teaching and said like presentations to allow people to understand more about the research and like why I started. Because I didn't start to be a researcher. I started to give answers to the bereaved. So now I'm trying to give those answers to the bereaved in many ways because no one is trained in this topic in thanatology or, or in counseling or anything else because the research is just coming out. And they haven't put any of that those that kind of research within the new curriculum yet. And so a lot of people are still learning old stuff. It's, they're not actually being aware of the new stuff that's coming out. And also how important it is, because there's so many people along the way that are in higher positions that I have seen along in many different areas that they don't want the topic to be talked about still in grief groups and conferences and stuff like that, because there is this thing that is not important or it's 
leans too much to the uh, the religious, but it's actually not. Yeah, but it's actually not. Like my research is showing that people who are spiritual or not are having these dreams and they're just as frequent. So this isn't about does an afterlife exist? This is about a human experience that people are working through. And how are people finding meaning through that? And how is it affecting them in their grieving process? Like for me, it had a huge impact. And that we need to understand why that actually worked to help me. Because if we did, we could actually help people who don't have these types of dreams as they try to move forward in their own loss. But also people having nightmares. And nightmares can have a huge impact on their grief but also their sleep and because people are sometimes afraid to go to bed because they don't understand these dreams they don't because no one's talking about them so they and then they also feel that this isn't normal but actually it's pretty normal and we can talk more about just like the research moving forward but overall it's just like i'm really trying to help normalize this experience and to help people talk about it just because most people soon after loss will have a dream of the deceased and just some of the the numbers for people is so like after spells of loss it's one of the studies i did within the first year or two it was 86 yeah, percent, which is huge yeah. and like my studies what's interesting about my studies is it wasn't a I, they didn't know they're going to be asked i was asking them about their dreams it was a grief study mm -hmm. so we weren't like choosing right because people who have had a dream would be more you know destined to go and, and sign up for that study no it was a grief study so then they found out when they were in it was, we we're asking about these dreams um, so the other thing, so I also did pet loss, and pet loss was uh, 70, 78% um, within the first six months, um, which is a lot in itself. And then also after miscarriage, it was 57%, and that was from the partner and also the, the, the birth mother. So, you know, like in all different facets of grief and all those, and those disenfranchised griefs like pet loss and uh, prenatal loss, they're having these dreams too. And if that's a lot of people, more than half. And then there's one study that looked at children after a parent died, and it was 55%. And so you start looking at the amount of people that you have worked with or have talked to. A lot of those people have had these dreams, and a lot of them don't really know how to understand them. And a lot of people are afraid to talk about them. And that's the other crazy thing that I found out when I was in. Not only people are having these experiences, but they're afraid to talk about them, even the positive ones. And I get that all the time from people. Who just want to share but people don't have the tools yet to understand and offer a safe space for people to share yeah i i told you on our intro call and i've told my audience before i had a very powerful grief dream after my mom passed away and it was kind of the same i'm trying to like remember details but it was her like hugging me and i swear it like felt like she was there and the same thing like it's gonna be okay like i'm in a better or i'm I'm not in a better place, but I'm, I'm happy or I'm healthy again. Mm -hmm. Cause she died from cancer. And, um, and it was one of those moments I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, like I thought she was still there, like holding mm -hmm. me. Um, and that was amazing. And like, like you said, like a pivotal point in my grief journey. And it definitely took it to like a, she's in a, I hate saying a better place. Cause that's so my cliche. <laughs> I hate, but like, she's in a, she's in a good place. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I'm the one that that's been my only positive dream. My mom has been dead like five and a half years and mm -hmm. all the other ones are her like dying and dying and dying mm -hmm. and dying again. And so I've, I see both sides, but, um, yeah, I think it's so cool that that's what you decided to do with your life. And, and I feel like that's honoring your father in a huge way. Yeah. Um, but so part of the bringing awareness, you have a podcast as well. And mm -hmm. do you mind kind of talking about the podcast? And then I want to hear some crazy, like, so like why y'all started the podcast. Cause I know there's a few of you and just some of the, the, the guests that stick out to you through your journey. Yeah, we can. I want to actually touch on it. You mentioned you had these negative dreams. I think it is something that, you know, we could talk about a little bit anyways. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so just in the, the research I've done, so you'd expect actually to have more negative dreams after loss. So what we know about dream research is that, you know, dreams represent our waking life. So if you're angry or you're, you know, you're sad, you're going to have more negative dreams. If you're happy, you're going to have more positive dreams. So that's sort of a, a good window for people to understand dreams. And then so after trauma, what's interesting is you'll have even more consistently negative dreams. And so when it comes to grief, you'd expect to have just dream, negative dreams in general. 
But when we did the research and asked people, not only have you had a dream, but what types of dreams have you had? And we gave a list and, and whatnot. What we found was around 90% of people said they had a positive dream of the seeds. But when it comes to negative dreams, it kind of fluctuated between 20 and 40%. And it didn't make sense. Like I went in thinking people should have negative dreams of the deceased just based on the research. But it's something, something different is going on when the deceased is present. And so more people are having these positive dreams. And as you said, more, most people who have a negative dream also tend to have a positive dream, like 90%. So there's, there's this pull to these positive dreams where you don't see in other forms of loss or grief or other things like that. There's something special when the deceased is in the imagery, and I think that's what gives it a little different flair um, for people. And then people make these theories of what it could be, but it's acting differently. I think that's the most important thing. But we did look at, you know, when it comes to these negative dreams, what factors may be actually influencing it. And so uh, one is trauma is one of the things. And so that's a big one, especially if someone's dying again. And the other thing, it could be um, if you're avoiding your loss. One of the theories is that maybe these dreams actually help remind you of what you're avoiding, so to produce some of those emotions, but also unresolved feelings of guilt or blame. And so, like with that core, you could probably see a little bit on maybe why it's continuing on. But yeah, there's something if you're having repeated dreams of your mom dying again, there's something that your mind's still trying to process that it hasn't been able to yet. And there's different ways and techniques you can actually utilize to work with this, and it's called dream rescripting. And so what this is, is it works with kids. And you know, it's funny because I used it as a, as a kid too, and I didn't know what, why I was doing it, but now I realize there's a name for it. But you change the dream uh, into something more positive, or you can bring a character in to support you through that That's dream. Cool. Yeah. yeah, and it's, you're basically, you're not avoiding the dream, you're taking control of the dream. And what's interesting is when you do that and you repeat it you know, within the week, those dreams, like research has shown, those dreams decrease. Um, but if they do happen, the distress of those dreams also decreases. And so that's really kind of helpful for people to try to um, reduce that from occurring because we want those positive dreams. You don't really want those negative dreams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, just, <laughs> you really don't. And so um, you know, with that, you know, what's interesting though too is what's shown is Trauma, we know trauma impacts our dream imagery, but once we take control of the dream imagery in a way, what's interesting is we affect our trauma. We affect how we feel and how we're processing. So we can actually, by just working on the dream, we can actually are working on our mental health and waking life, which is really interesting in itself. So it's not like a one-way street. This is a double direction going on. So I think that's very important to say, and there's things you can do um, to do that, and it's on my website, there is a um, Dream Builder worksheet. That's another tool people have been using that I still need to do the research on, but people have been using it and saying it's been helpful for them after nightmares, where you just really think about the dream you want to have. And I think it's very similar because they're having a dream of the deceased, and then they're just turning it into the, the dream that they, they want to have. And they've said that's been very helpful in many ways. And so what that is, it's... Um, it's really leaning towards dream incubation. And there's been research on that, that we can affect the images that we have in our dreams based on, and you probably have known this, if you look on the TV or you understand what you're reading um, before bed, it tends to creep yeah. into your dreams. Yeah. yeah, so the same thing goes with, so if you can do that, well, why not pick something you wanna actually dream about? So you just sort of relax in like the meditative state and just think about that dream and immerse yourself in that dream before bed. And so, you know, they people have done that like throughout cultures and years. Um, I haven't done it with the, looked at it through the research yet, but you know, it's something that people could try if they want to try to impact their dreams to becoming more positive in nature. And so, you know, with all that said, there's one thing that I really didn't like about doing research is that you don't really get to understand what the dream means to someone. Mm -hmm. Like we collect dreams, we collect the stats, but some of these dreams are wild and i'm like how does this imagery fit into your life like i want to know more yeah. and because you just can't unless you do a different type of study like a qualitative study but that was my direction just because the world values quantitative uh, methodology more at this point <laughs> so um you kind of go that way as you're trying to build a road for this topic in the world mm. um but anyway so we started a podcast to get to that qualitative stuff and it's been over five years now that we've uh, had the Greek dreams podcast going on 
and it was really a, uh, you know, I didn't, I wouldn't say I, I chose to do it. My, okay. my, <laughs> my, uh, my friend, he was really listening to, like Joe Rogan, and this was like probably six years ago, where okay. podcasts were still being um, seen as uh, as new in a way. And he said, "Oh man, I'd really love to do a, a podcast." He's like, "Would you want to do one with me?" I said, "The only." chance that i'm gonna be doing a podcast with you is if we can talk about grief trip. <laughs> I love it. and he's, he's like, like that's what we're gonna call it <laughs> <laughs> that's a great title yeah. <laughs> and so uh he said yes and at that point he never had a, a significant loss in his life so he was going on and he was getting all this the the grief from people and he was learning a lot which is really helpful to me because he wasn't coming in as an expert he was coming in as someone willing to learn and it just allows people to understand that we can like you don't have to be an expert to talk to people like he does a fabulous job talking to people and at that point he didn't have any losses now he has had a, a few but he just understands he has that compassion to be to provide that safe space for people to share so people are on the podcast they talk about their life um the relationships they had their death but also the dreams that they have and we always include the dreams in that because it, it should be an important conversation topic for anyone who talks to someone about their grief and you see the amazing stories and there's a couple like horrifying moments that people have had in the in the uh the dreams that they've uh, had but for the most part they're mostly positive and sort of like just the, which goes with the research that people are sharing these positive dreams it's not like i'm choosing like which dreams to showcase it's like they're just coming on and yeah, the dreams are just amazing. Like I can't, I can't, I learned so much about myself and especially about like life from these dreams that I couldn't have learned otherwise. I didn't and, know that was the why behind like why you became a part of the podcast. That's really cool. How you kind of <laughs> connected all that, you know, I just assumed it was you being like, okay, I want to talk about grief dreams to people, but I didn't know that was more the why behind it. So that's really neat. Yeah. And that's like an OG podcaster five years. I feel like, I mean, now yeah. everyone has a podcast, <laughs> like that's the joke. So that's pretty cool that y'all been doing it so long. Yeah. It's really amazing. Cause I remember when I started, I think there was only four or five grief podcasts, but now there's like over 40, I believe like last I checked. And so there's just, yeah, like there's, but that gives more people cause everyone has a voice and I think it's great. And I, it allows people more people to be on podcasts, which I found, um, with a lot of people who came on expressing their grief live was a new thing for them. And then for their family and friends to then hear them talking about their grief was even more important because then they got feedback and they learned some stuff they didn't learn and they opened up a lot more than they did before. And so for me, I, at first it was like, Oh, let's hear about these dreams and stuff. But then it was like, Oh no, this is actually therapeutic. And it's actually helping the world in many ways. And people can also listen in uh, to sort of, see some of the gems that people actually have learned along in their lives yeah. that could maybe help other people you know within their own journeys uh their grief but also life yeah yeah no i i love doing my podcast and and like you said it's just what's so funny is like you meet people for like five minutes and you're like okay tell me the most vulnerable thing about yourself <laughs> like my grief is definitely the most like vulnerable thing that I will open up about. So it's funny how easy I do it to strangers. And then when it's like my friends, I'm like, eh, I don't want to be the buzzkill. But I like how y'all highlight the dreams because like I said, every time I interview people like that is what people talk about. And it's something that you're like, oh my God, you had one too. Oh, I didn't, you know, when, like you said, you need to bring awareness and, and people need to talk about it more because I didn't know how significant that dream was to me until I started talking to other people. And I also didn't know like when my mom died that I could have a dream like that, that felt so real and, and so intense. So I'm, I think it's really cool what y'all are doing, but yeah. Okay. Sorry. I want to hear more about the, the guests you've had and, and who might've stuck out a little. I think it's actually, well, you brought me up to a point that we haven't talked about yet. It's just, you know, there's some people that don't have these dreams. I think we should just share that you know, tidbit for a while. Yeah. So, so I did uh, multiple research studies that looked at the, looked at this question: is why are some people dreaming of the deceased and other people aren't? And what we found was that so I looked at like different factors like grief, uh, attachment, openness to experience, uh, gender, dreams in general, spirituality, a bunch of different things, and there was only one that actually was a predictor. Um, a significant predictor in, in all the studies, and that was dream recall in general. So 
those people who remember more dreams are the people who are going to remember more of these other types of dreams of the deceased. And so when you ask people usually if they haven't had one, how often do they remember their dreams? What you normally get is that not very often. And then the question goes, well, then how are you supposed to remember one of these types of dreams? Because what I'm thinking is we're dreaming of the deceased more than we're actually remembering it. And that's a different question itself about remembering dreams. But that in itself is that there's probably work being done within us without us even knowing or be consciously aware when we're awake. And so you may, other people may be having these dreams, let's say positive dreams of the deceased, and it may be impacting their grief without them even knowing. And I think that's why maybe we say people are resilient, but there may be things going on that are making them resilient. And these dreams could be a part of that. But I know there is a significance of remembering them in people's lives. Like for me, because I remember the dream, I can sort of go back to that feeling in the dream, which can help me in a lot of ways. Or if I'm looking for, let's say, if I was spiritual, I was looking for evidence that, you know, I'm still loved or that they crossed over their safe. Well, I can look at the dream as a way of uh, reducing those thoughts that something happened, right? So, you know, in every kind of culture, there's different views of these dreams. And, you know, some are positive, some are negative. And it's just understanding if we can know the research, then we can utilize and maybe change theories a little bit differently to really help people as they work through some of these difficult times. And, and one of those things is not having a dream. And that's why, like, actually doing the worksheet of the dream you want to have is actually I, I, I basically invented it because when I talk to uh, counselors that ran support groups what they say is what they said was they didn't want to bring up the topic because not everyone has one and with that some people get jealous and you don't want to have to deal with that so it's like okay so like how can we bring the topic to to light in a support group so I said like not everyone's gonna have one so people could talk about it but as long as you follow it up with if something that everyone can do and so what everyone can do is make a dream they want to have tonight if they could. Uh, I love that. And, and so that actually was the reason why that even was made was for people to be able to talk about it in a support group. And what I found by people doing that was that there's so much emotion that comes out in making the dream. So it's not even about creating the dream and having that dream. It's just an activity that you're doing to process grief in a new way. Yeah. And for people to learn more about your grief in a new way from what the because there's so many people even coming on the podcast. They'll say something. We've, we've been talking for an hour. Um, we asked them about a dream that they had, and then we asked them what dream they'd want to have tonight if they could, just like a small version of it. And some of the things that they say, I'm like, we, we were just talking for like an hour and a half. We never mentioned this at all. Oh, no. Right? Like, especially like the what they were wearing or the location or anything like that or what they once said. I'm like, wow, yeah. just, there's so much information there that we could have spent another hour just talking about. Yeah. It's not really about the dream itself. It's more about how do we process grief in a new way? And it's just another tool that we can use to learn more about who the person was to you, the memories that you had, and also what you're longing for uh, as you move forward. So that's yeah. where, where that, that sort of came from, which said like you didn't know that either. So yeah, these really yeah. interesting things you just sort of hear and you try to like work with where society is to try to make it more acceptable to talk about the subject in a, mm -hmm. in a very neutral way. And I think what I've done with the topic and having the website, uh, griefdreams.ca, is that people can go on there and it's not religious in any nature. So like people can go on there, learn. And if you're, if you don't have a, um, if you're not spiritual, you're still going to find the information useful. And if you are spiritual, you're going to find the information useful. Mm -hmm. And so it's just one of those things that like you have to walk a thin line because there's so many different variables in it. Um, but there's a lot, a lot of bad advice that people give. People who are spiritual can, can give imagine. bad advice. Oh my, you, you don't know. I've seen, I've seen pastors, like, like an interesting story. So I've seen pastors tell people that the dreams of the deceased is a devil in disguise. So even a positive dream that I have with my dad, they would have said it was a devil in disguise. And I can understand that from how I was brought up in many ways. Um, but it's also related to, I think, how people see um souls in many ways that well it can't be them because the soul is not supposed to be able to it's supposed to be in the grave and it's supposed to come back like so there's a lot of things that limit people in their understanding of these dreams but you know like at the end of the day i think if we actually look at the dream literature like that we're doing you realize that these dreams are very complex in many ways and in any kind of culture they're going to be very complex and we can learn a lot from that, but we can't just diminish them and put a negative view on them if they're trying to help the person. And so if anything, yeah. 
that, right? Like if someone's like trying taking steps backwards, it is <laughs> That's yeah. called critical thinking. And a lot of people, um, they just don't, they just want an answer to give someone rather than to say, I don't know. Good question. Is it helping you? You know, like that's probably the better way to go because you don't need to know if it's a visitation or not for the dream to just be beautiful. It just could be a moment you get to sort of spend again. I know a lot of people just, they would say, if I had a million bucks, I would just want one more moment with my loved one who died. And in the dream world, you can. Like, this is the very wild and beautiful thing. And so when I look at the most, going back to the original question of the podcast and like wild stories, the wisdom and the love that really comes, that really showcases through these dreams is something to be sort of sat with because out of all the images that people could have, you know, what are the most impactful ones? And then also, what does that mean about grief? And what does it mean about just living life? And so the most common dream theme when it comes to these positive dreams that people share is that there is this love. There's this love in there. It's very vivid. And there's also this peace. And a lot of people will say that it's something that they haven't really felt before. It's different. And I think it's different because in waking life, we have so many worries. Even if we're not consciously aware of them, we're always worrying about everything. <laughs> the future, trying to deal with things we've done in the past and also what's going on currently in our lives. And it's hard to feel that. Even when we're with someone that we love, there's always those thoughts. Oh, yeah. Even like, you know, what are they thinking? Like, <laughs> you know, I have, yeah. Um, but in that moment of the dreams, those things don't seem to matter. And it's like you get this respite of break from your mind to sit in this moment with this image of the deceased and what can happen through that. And so there's been life-changing dreams. Uh, we had people, I remember I had one person on the podcast that was wanting to actually kill herself and then had a dream of her son saying, this isn't the time to do that. You're gonna, like, you're meant to do more. And it stopped her from taking her own life, which I think is very interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah, and they had, I remember there's dreams of people, it's like they got off addiction because of having one of these dreams. Um, but the the major one was that we had Serena Dyer on. Let's see if I have a dream here. It was really beautiful. And it really, I said, showcases something about these dreams and maybe why, like, why they're pretty important. So on the podcast, she talked about her stepson, uh, overdosing and she had a lot of guilt that she was partly to blame because she made his life more a little harder than maybe she needed to and maybe she felt that that would be a cause of why he was, he was seeking drugs um, so anyway so in the dream uh, Mason told her to hold his hands and his energy was so joyful and funny he then got very serious and told her that she needed to stop with the guilt he told her that guilt was soul-sabotaging and pointless. He said that everything in his life was accumulation of choices he made and that it was his correct path. He told her that all of our lives are up to us and the decisions we make. Most importantly, he told her that when we die, we go to energetically the same place where we were when we lived. He explained that our lives are like classrooms, and when we die, we continue with those very lessons. Whatever vibration you spent your, living, your life living at, you start there on the other side. He then told her to be very careful with her thoughts she was choosing and the decisions she was making that were self-harming because as he explained, the purpose of living is to love and it must start with the self. He then released her hands and she woke up. And so you can tell through the imagery in itself, she's very religious, so you can understand when it comes to the purpose of life and the meaning of life. All that sort of stuff was really related to her and her belief structure. But what is very, why I shared the dream is right at the end, because this relates to anyone. And it's the, when we talked about the love that, you know, the guilt was self-sabotaging, which is very true for anyone. Mm -hmm. And, but then also is that the purpose of living is to love and must start with the self. And so to get through the guilt, you have to start loving who you are and loving, you know, what you, you built. And I think mm -hmm. when you look at other aspects of these dreams, love is such a common factor of that. And so as much as it gave understanding of, you know, how the world works to help her maybe reduce anxieties of death or whatever, the core of that, of what actually she can work with is that, you know, we got to start looking at ourselves and learning to love who we are. And I think going back to my beginning of my whole journey with dreams, that's what the whole thing was, is that I didn't love myself and I needed to learn how to love myself to reduce all the, the, the negative dependence on 
others and other people for my own self-esteem for my own purpose and it's like how can i just learn to love myself when no one else is in the room and i think that's the hardest thing um to be able to do but these dreams really help people as they work through that and so when i look at this topic in a form of how does this relate to grief i one of the biggest things is that grief is impacting how we feel about ourselves and one reason for that is because the person who used to tell us that we were lovable that we were we were good we're a good person they're not there anymore physically so where are we going to get that reinforcement that we're good enough and when we don't have the reinforcement what happens is our own self comes to play and we see look no one loves you anymore you have less people and then you start really getting down on yourself because you don't have that external stimuli to remind yourself who you truly are and what you're capable of and the people who have died are usually the ones that do that and even pets they really help us you know, regulate our emotions and, and feel loved and, and feel that life has more meaning. And you have a purpose every day. Yeah, that's right. And so that's why I think these dreams really help people feel loved again in a time where they're not feeling loved. And, you know, there's a lot that we can actually explore and, and work through when it comes to that. But I think that's a direction when it comes to grief support that we don't really talk about. And it seems to be the most important factor when it comes to these dreams is how do we learn to love ourselves now that the deceased is gone physically you know and that's why i think these continuing bonds are very helpful because it's not just about us feeling love which is a major part of it but us Mm -hmm. expressing love is another aspect of it and so i didn't understand how amazing that is but there's so many dreams that people just want to say to the deceased that they love them like my i had with my dad I told him I loved him. And I, if you would have asked me, I never said like, oh, I need to do that or I would have write that down. Exactly, yeah. But there's something in me that needed to do that. And there's something about love that's also, it's not about just accepting it, but it's also expressing it. And as a guy, <laughs> expressing love and all this, there's different ways you can do it, but I think voicing it is very important. Yeah. Um, but I get very uncomfortable. I used to anyways a lot more. Get very uncomfortable saying it. And I remember when I started noticing this stuff in the dreams, I remember going up to my mom. I'm like, maybe I should try to do this more often. <laughs> so I went up to my mom and I said, Mom, you know, I want you to know that, you know, you've done a lot for me and, and you know, you've been such a support. And I just want to know, like, how much I love you mm-hmm. for, for who you are. And that felt good for me to be able to do that. But then I realized also she started crying and she just said to me, you don't know how much I needed to hear that. And I was like, oh, so like, it, it makes sense. I'm like, it's not like she, for, like a lot of times we forget the impact we have on people because mm-hmm. we're not hearing it anymore. And our thoughts really do damage in a sense of how we see ourselves and how we see yeah. the moments. And all you need is those really loving words to help other people move forward in their own life. But it's also helping you to express something that there is a kind of a faux pas about it. We'll express more about the, the negative stuff going on in our lives than we do about the positive stuff and the love that we have for other people. For whatever reason, that's what we're doing. And there's something about our our soul or our body that needs to express that for whatever reason. And so like you start seeing it and like just said, like that's just like one of the large uh, windows that I saw when it comes to these dreams. And you're like, wow, like this is super cool. And it helps me make changes in my own life to try to see like, is that making my life better doing that? And I know it is um, personally being able to do that. And it makes me just feel lighter. I'm not caring so much. And the thoughts of those negative thoughts that constantly happen aren't taking me over as often well, as even, they once were. Even, sorry, even like, okay, so I've told you like my my dreams are usually negative ones and they're about my mom dying and, and her dying, blah, blah, blah. Like she'll die in my dream. And now that you say that, that you're like, it's we're so it's so much easier for us to talk about the bad things in our life. It's ever the good things. Like I'm definitely in a bubble right now. I think just being a new mom, it's like gotten me down this path of like, wow, my mom's dead. Wow. My mom's not here. I can't believe she's not here. I can't believe she died of cancer. How come she's the one that died of cancer and not, you know, the, all the other survivors kind of thing. And it's like, but my mind isn't in that positive of like, I'm so lucky to have the mom that I had. And and how I got to be with her for 25 years, my whole, like that part of my life. And it's like, maybe I need to get out of that mindset of, okay, I'm, I'm in a negative path and just focused on her not being here 
Whereas I should also try and focus on the positive some days and like her celebrating her life that she had. Yeah. And it's a balance, right? When it comes mm. to grief and when you can notice your patterns, you can start understanding your dreams a little bit more. And as you said, That's like crazy. these, these moments that we, we look at our lives and be more self-reflective when we're awake, it, it makes dreams a lot more easy to understand. And you said like a lot of emotions can be being triggered because you're right, like your new mom and she's not around, like how difficult that must be. And then all you're thinking about is that she died and like how distressing that is for you. So, you know, that is, you know, could be a reason why these dreams are coming up just because you're in the moment where you're still trying to process that truth. And that's a very difficult truth to sit with. And as much as um, you can talk about the positive stuff, which is, I think, also great, but there is still that reflecting and working through that truth that she's not there presently to even help you and give you advice and like all the stuff that mothers would do. Um, and it's something that, you know, people need to understand, like, that's how grief shifts as we move forward when these new moments happen in our lives, that they're not there, that we would want them to be there for. And it's giving it time and space. A lot of times where I say it's a lot like with any kind of even anxiety or fears or whatever, it's just a lot of times it just wants to be sat with, like uh, someone who's grieving wants to be just sat with. You don't have to tell them anything, just listen and sit with it. And even with that, it's like listening to the, the truth of all that. And whatever that brings in you, it's not like you have to do anything per se, just sit with it and acknowledge that it, it is a part of what's going on in you. But it's also said like, with that, you're not attached to it, but you can also also understand who you are now because of her and who you, who she has made you to be, to be able to be a mother. Yeah. A lot of people aren't going to be mothers. I'm guessing you're probably a pretty good one with what we've talked about so far. <laughs> and, <laughs> I think so, thank you. Ah, there you go. Excellent. But like all those factors are parts of her too that are embedded in you through the way she raised you. Because mm -hmm. not everyone was raised in a way that would be um, applicable for them to then raise a yeah. child, right? Yeah. So you sort of see this and it's just a mesh of everything. It's to sit with all of it. And, but it's just like dreams can really help us understand like there is something that we're missing in waking life. And what is that? And to mm -hmm. sit with that for more than anything. Because then the dreams will then shift. Because once you know what you know, you're not gonna have the dream happening again because you know mm -hmm. it. And so at the end of the day, it's when we forget these dreams tend to be very important for us in the negative and the positive. Yeah. Um, so one thing, and, and I didn't mention this earlier, but I'm going to link everything in the show notes and um, also like on my Instagram for where they can find you, where they can find the podcast, um, that dream uh, sheet that you said you have. And then I saw on your Instagram earlier. So have you always done workshops about grief dreams or is that new to you? Or I saw that you have one coming up. Well, I've been doing them before the pandemic and then okay. and the pandemic hit. And so then I'm like, well, I can't go anywhere, but people around the world still need to understand. And those who are interested be able to, to learn more. Mm -hmm. And so I developed a course through the pandemic. And so that's now up, which talks about basically a lot of the information I know to help people be able to provide a safer space and not how to interpret the dream, but to sit with people and understand the right questions to ask, you know, when, mm. or give, when you're given a dream to help the dreamer connect, you know, what that dream means to them. Because one of the issues a lot of dreamers have is that when they do have a dream, they don't know how to work with it and they'll go online or buy a dream dictionary. Which is like the worst thing to do. Oh no! Really, <laughs> which is like just because your symbol is going to be different than anyone else's symbols, and then yeah. also how your symbols connect is only based on your own understanding of yourself and your memories. And so the best thing to do for to help someone is to be able to ask just ask questions, allow them to see how it can be processed in a certain way, but to not force people to say this is what it means. Mm -hmm. And so there are other like things out there, but. Um, to be able to work with your dreams, but uh, there, but it's said it takes time. So I developed a course to help people who want to learn about that. But I also developed a one-on-one -on -one consulting business to help people work through their and talk about their dreams. Perfect. For just like I said, like we can get stuck sometimes, and it's just great to just talk about it. I don't interpret the dream per se, but I've seen enough dreams I can understand maybe where there's linkages and it's just about talking and see how it reflects. But with the so when it goes back to the courses, so it's nine hours. If people ever want to check it out, it's nine hours, and then. We have, so that's one on grief dreams. I have another one on relationships, which is a different topic, but also very similar because it's really working on what I talked about with that love and like how can mm. we see relationships differently if we're looking at love differently. And that's sort of what that's about. Awesome. And yeah, I'll link all that. Um, 
Okay, Dr. Black, I won't take up much more of your time. I told him my daughter is napping, so I just feel like I'm like, oh, my God, any second now she's going to explode and wake up, and she is, she cries when she wakes up. Anyway. Maybe, maybe she's having a great dream with your mom. Okay, literally. <laughs> okay, since you brought it up, um, I always think, so sometimes my daughter will, like, fall asleep in my arms or, like, I'll watch her sleep and she, like, smiles. And I do tell people I think that's her dreaming of my mom because I don't know what I believe afterlife-wise, mm -hmm. but I know I believe that my mom has met my daughter. And mm -hmm. I'm always, like, when she smiles in her sleep, that's her hanging out with my mom. So, oh, my God, that's I never cool. even thought. Yeah, so that's cool little tidbit to add to that. So um, there was someone that came on my podcast going back to interesting podcasts that her father died when she was in womb. And so she never actually got to meet her father. But she started having dreams of her father that actually built a rapport, like a bond. And it was when she was going through very difficult times in her childhood and also in adulthood. She, she talked about five really main dreams that she had. But a lot of them were him supporting her, encouraging her that she would get through certain moments in her life and providing her love and telling her that she was beautiful, things that, you know, a father would say. And so she actually developed the relationship through her dreams because she never actually met her dad. And so you don't like so with children and, and a lot of people, we don't need to actually have met them to dream of them, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. Wow. There's just so much. I never really thought that deep into dreams. So that's, no. that's really cool. You're like, it's yeah. That's you're like, that's how you want to really, if you want to really expand your mind a little bit more, there are people that came on the podcast and other people I've talked to that have had dreams of other people. And in the dream, the dream imagery is telling them to say something to someone else. So the dream isn't really about them. They don't really know the person that well. It's more about they want them to share this dream and their words to the one who's bereaved, which I think is crazy in itself. Because like, why are you dreaming of that person? Um, but at the end of the day, a lot of times people who have those dreams, the person who is who is bereaved hasn't had a dream of them yet. So it's kind of interesting that there is, you know, there's other things going on. I don't know what they are, but you just hear the stories and you just make note of them. But at the end of the day, like that in itself is really showcasing the power of these dreams to help other people in the grieving process also. So when we're sometimes afraid to share because people may think we're crazy, that is a possibility. But I think the benefits of helping people outweigh the risk of someone thinking you're crazy. <laughs> no, for sure. That's amazing. Um, okay. Before I let you go, will you tell everyone, like I said, I'm going to link everything, but where they can find you the best place to contact you and, uh, is it Instagram, Facebook, your website, all the above. Yeah. So the easiest thing is just go on griefdreams.ca and on there it has everything you need. There's a lot of stuff on there. <laughs> so it'll take some time to go through it. Even like references to pop culture. Um, that I didn't really notice until I started doing the topic, but they're everywhere. So people Can you who give are... me an example? Because I love pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you could look at, you know, um, Celine Dion's song, My Heart Will Go On, it's in there. Um, for uh, um, movies, there's Braveheart, there's three grief dreams in there. There's actually movies every year that showcase grief dreams. There's a list I think I have like of like 30 that I've seen. Um, okay. A bunch of, you know, like Game of Thrones, there's stuff in there. Like in, in everything, you're going to see when grief is brought up, there's a high likelihood they're going to incorporate dreams in some way. And even uh, Paul McCartney's um, song, um, Let It Be, was actually based on a grief dream he had of his mom who told him when he was going through difficult times, so his mom died. And so he was going through a very difficult time in his career. And his mom just basically in the dream told him it's going to be okay just let it be and then so when he woke up he's like i've never heard that before it made him feel better and then he wrote a song based on that and so when people hear that song they think he's he's singing to mother mary the you know the virgin but it's actually his mother is named mary and so yeah so there's a lot on how people have incorporated these, these their own dreams in in uh what they were making even big bang theory there's like three almost full episodes based on Sheldon's dreams that he had of Dr. Proton and how he impacted him. So like you really see this. And so this is something they're not getting from the research per se. They're getting from their own personal experience. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. 
Yeah. Okay, oh, sorry. so yeah. Yeah. So yeah. then like uh, the other thing is the Group Dreams podcast. And then you can find me on Instagram. I'm most active there. I do have, you know, stuff on Facebook and uh, Twitter, but Instagram is sort of the thing I use the most. And that's just at Grief Dreams.